Hello and welcome to Distant Atmospheres, the podcast where I read the thousand words of science fiction I have written for the day. These pieces do not connect to each other and are not complete stories, but may perhaps be thought of as vignettes, snapshots of action or setting or character in text. I'm your host, Top Hat Banjo, retired military, retired high school English teacher, and now semi, semi, semi professional banjo player. Strangely, I have a dog named Banjo the Dog. Follow Top Hat Banjo on Instagram for banjo practice clips, a daily word game, transcripts of my conversations with Banjo the Dog, and much more. Follow Top Hat Banjo. That's Top Hat Banjo on Instagram. And now, Distant Atmospheres, Episode 2. The bridge of the Artos Columbus was divided into two sections, ammonia atmosphere and oxygen atmosphere. There was an airlock between the two, From time to time, one of the humans would need to get into the ammonia area, or one of the the philandars might go into the oxygen part, but this was fairly unusual. Throughout the ship, transparent panels divided the two areas. Through human eyes, the ammonia area was a thin yellow fog. Through philander eyes, the ammonia was transparent, but the oxygen on the other side occluded the frequency that their vision system used, and so was opaque to them. No matter. Philandars depended more on their sonar to visualize the world than they did their rudimentary and mostly useless vision system anyway. The panel in front of Captain Rebecca Hartwig chimed. She ignored it and kept reading. Momentarily it chimed again, and she reluctantly pulled away from the book she was reading, glancing quickly over the panel to find whatever it was that the ship or one of its crew wanted or needed. She was curled up on the large captain's chair, a cup of tea on one of the chair's arms, and a paper plate holding the remains of a grilled cheese sandwich. It wasn't a book, of course. It was a book-sized panel that she held in front of her as one would have held a book 50 years ago. She was halfway through Moby Dick, having somehow or other neglected to read it previously. It was one of those books that she knew she should read, but she hadn't imagined in her wildest dreams that she would be enjoying it as much as she was. She found the indicator and pressed it. What is it, Frankie? Marker on seven, Captain. Frank Abbott's flat, clipped New England voice matched his flat, clipped personality. But that was an asset in an an engineer. How far out? 800,000 clicks. And how big? Rebecca was wondering why he was bothering her with a marker flag, and his response did not provide an answer. 200 meters, spherical. Well, that was big, but not unusual, and no reason to bother the captain. 
relative speed 660 meters per second we'll cross our Z minus at 4500 clicks in 14 days and change okay well she rolled her eyes but tried to keep it out of her voice continue to monitor and let's include it in the daily briefs in a couple of days she said and returned to her book daily briefs in two days roger that Rebecca thought that was all and she was back in her book when Frankie's voice sounded again uh captain yeah she called her eyes still on the book the object is changing course and speed that got Rebecca's attention and she went into captain of the ship mode the book set aside and forgotten she swung her legs down and turned the chair changing course and speed uh, this is not a perturbation definitely not captain give me the feet up here she said and she pressed a button on her on her console on the chair's right arm Davy Frankie's got a moving marker she let go of the button you say it's on seven she said to the microphone on the panel that's a firm Frankie replied Rebecca stood up and tapped on the transparent divider on the other side the Philendar on duty turned one of its beanstalks toward the panel emitting an ultrasonic pulse and receiving the echo to look into the oxygen portion of the control room a speaker came to life and a computerized voice asked what can I do for you Captain Hartwig the voice was a translation of the ultrasonic squeaks that the Flendar's other beanstalk was streaming into a microphone. Pete, we've got a moving marker. Take a look at seven, she said in response. The beanstalk peering at Rebecca remained where it was, while the other one moved around on its control panel. Yes, we see it, the computerized voice said again. The beanstalk that had been looking at her retreated into the yellow fog on the other side of the bridge. I've seen these anomalies before, Pete, Rebecca said. It looks like motion, but it's going to be spin of an asymmetrical body or a lopsided interior or... The Flendar cut her off. We've established communication with the marker. The computer voice was cool, aseptic. What? We have communication now with the marker. It's a rock, Pete, I'm telling you, Rebecca said. But she was feeling a little less confident all of a sudden, and she flipped the close-up seat out of the panel and sat down, her hands moving over it, activating monitors. Then, in her ear, Frankie's voice again, this time uncharacteristically high-pitched, Captain, the marker is turning to reduce the Z-separation, and it's speeding up. His voice shifted distinctly towards alarm as he pronounced those last words. Z-separation is now 800 kilometers, and the close rate is up to 2,200 meters per second and rising. Pete, why is it turning to close, she said. No response. She reached over and slapped her hand on the transparent barrier between the two atmospheres. Pete, you awake in there? It's closing the Z and accelerating. 
Frankie chimed in again. Z separation is 100, cl 100 clicks. Close rate is Jesus. Close rate is 8 clicks per second and rising. Intercept, 41 hours. He was fully alarmed now. Through the yellow haze, Pete's beanstalk appeared again and waved slightly back and forth as he perceived that the Farge hatch was opening and someone was entering. Rebecca looked up and waved the crewman in. Abe, get on the link to Pete, will you, she said, and he moved to comply, flipping out the close-up seat on his own station and moving his hands over the controls. Pete says he's in communication with the marker. Really? Abe looked over and considered Pete. You're talking to it? The computer voice sounded calm and measured, as it was programmed to do. Captain Hartwig, we advise you turn 40 degrees X, 21 degrees Y, 5 degrees Z, and make a 442nd burn at 91%, the Flindar said. This should be done immediately, but before, in plus 68 seconds. Burn, Rebecca said. Why? The marker will give chase, the computer voice continued. If we burn before in plus 64, we can escape it. Rebecca knew what the Flindar meant by the in plus 64 language that the burn must begin in the next 64 seconds. She also knew that the Flindar knew a lot more about alien life than she did, and that he was to be trusted in these matters. She punched a button. Frankie! 91% burn in 60 seconds! Burn? Where are we going? He responded. Shut up and start up, she ordered. I'm sending you the numbers now. Burn in 52 seconds. Start a countdown. Frankie's eye captain was drowned out by her next order. Abe, link yourself to Pete. Pete, you steer on this. The, sh computers, the ship's computer voice came on. Burn in 47, 46, 45. It continued to count down above the activity in the room. Pete's got the panel now, Abe said. You with us, Pete? Rebecca said as calmly as she could. Frankie's voice sounded again in her headset. Ready for burn, Captain. 91% for 440 seconds. The computer voice was still counting calmly. 39, 38, 37. Rebecca punched the ship-wide channel. Crew, this is the captain. We will burn in 35 seconds at 440 at 91. Strap in now. I say again, strap in now for burn. 440 at 91. She clicked off. Pete, you with us okay? Then Pete's translator spoke. That's affirmative, Captain. We are ready for the burn. Trajectories on your display now. Rebecca clicked over and took a look at the, tra the trajectories, present and burn, of her own ship against the trajectory of the marker. It was steering. That was clear. And the acceleration had every sign of the intelligence of a predator. She pushed the intercom to Pete. Burn trajectory approved, she said. 28, 27, 26. The computer voice droned. Rebecca moved back to the ship-wide channel, and then her headset was full of voices reporting status. 
Stores and supplies strapped, one said. Engineering strapped, said another. Navigation, we're strapped, said a third. Everyone checked in, and Rebecca retreated to her captain's chair and activated the restraint system, which clapped and fastened over her. Pete, you strapped in okay, she said. Affirmative, came the reply. Okay, here goes, she said, half to herself, as the computer counted down. Three, two, one. There was no zero. Instead, there was a roar, and the ship jerked backwards. Rebecca jostling in the restraints, as she knew all the other crew members were doing. She closed her eyes, pushed her breath out forcefully against the acceleration, and waited for it to be over. This concludes episode two of Distant Atmospheres, the podcast where I read the thousand words of science fiction I have written for the day. These pieces do not connect to each other and are not complete stories, but may perhaps be thought of as vignettes, snapshots of action or setting or character in text. I'm your host, Top Hat Banjo, retired military, retired high school English teacher, and now semi, semi, semi professional banjo player. Strangely, I have a dog named Banjo the Dog. Follow Top Hat Banjo on Instagram for banjo practice clips, a daily word game, transcripts of my conversations with Banjo the Dog and much more. Follow Top Hat Banjo, that's Top Hat Banjo, on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and tune in again to Distant Atmospheres. <laughs>